Take it back. Do 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 do. Take it back. Right? You, we all have things we want to take back. Yeah, this might be the biggest one out of all of them. I'm not going to lie. All right. We're back here on the Dago Express podcast with Jimmy and Nick Pilato. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Dago Express. Dom, what's our logo look like? Picture with a lot of red lettering. The brightest picture you'll ever see. Can't miss it. Yep. And we are a bi-weekly podcast every other Tuesdays when you can listen to the new episodes. But uh, I also post Top of the Mountain episodes on our Twitter page. So follow us at Dago Express and uh, it'll be interesting. If you guys listen to my other podcast, The Fire Under the Bench this week, you'll understand why. But you got to follow us on Twitter uh, because we're going to be asking you for some help with help for our good friend and co-host Nick. Uh, I, I feel bad for you. I, I, I honestly didn't know what you went through as a Jets fan. And then after this Sunday betting on them and like hoping that they were going to put it together and get a win and just knowing that it wasn't going to happen in the back of your mind. It's a sad, like I, I know pain is a Bengals fan, but that's very sad at the moment. It's been, it's been a hard life. Um, uh, however long I've been a part of the uh, Jets fan base, for at least 10 years, because I, I think LaDainian Tomlinson got traded over there back in 2011, maybe. So anyway, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's – uh, knowing that in the back of your mind sucks every single week, even if you go in and you're like, oh, yeah, there's no way like they're going to lose, like, especially this week to the Falcons. It wasn't so much who was going to be better – it was who was going to suck worse. And then the Jets decided that the Falcons were going to suck uh, less. Yeah. And it is. they were, I mean, two weeks in a row now, they've cost both of us something. Uh, and I want to talk about that because I assume that stipulation was the biggest event that happened in the past two weeks. Uh, unless there was something else that happened, do you want to get into that story or do you want to start talking about your chest? Uh, I can't think of what else happened. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing that happened was my chest. Uh, we alluded to it last time because it was after the Broncos and Jets game um, when we were recording our last one. And, and we weren't uh, going to make you get, get right down and, and wax your chest. We weren't going to make you do that. Uh, we should have but we weren't going to make you pay up immediately. So we gave you some time to prepare. Uh, well, what I went through, you, well, have, you have no idea. Let's just remind everybody what we talked about last week. Trimming was an option trimming before, because uh, depending on how long or short the hair is, it might catch when it's longer or shorter. So trim the hair. Uh, did you take what was the preparation like going into it? And did you go with Savannah to buy the wax? Did you did you go there and pick out your weapon of torture? Oh, so Savannah has a wax kit, like wax and like a warmer, whatever it's called, um, that she's had for a little while. And she was she's always been like, Oh, I want to try to wax my legs, I want to try to wax my armpits, I want to try to do this, that, other thing. Um, but she never really had. Uh, but she was trying to help me out and make it seem like it was going to be better than it actually was. 
um, before we did it. So she was like, I'll start off, I'll wax my legs, I'll wax my armpits. So you can see kind of what you're getting yourself into. And I, I, she does not bad curse. move, bad move. She does not curse. You, you know that. So she was uh, working on her legs, and she put both, she put both strips on at the same time. And she was like, okay. She took a deep breath, and when she did that, I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. She pulled on it and it caught halfway. So all of a sudden, like her windows were open too. All of a sudden, you just hear it go, mother. And just everybody in the parking lot could hear. Um, so it was like, that's not really helping me out. Um, but uh, she finished up her legs. And then I was like, I'll help you out with your armpits. Cause I know you're right-handed and your left, like your right armpits going to be hard for you to get. So she, I pulled on it and I had, I didn't have a good enough grip. I thought I did, but it caught halfway too. And she's like, Oh no, 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 don't do it. Just leave it. Just leave it. I'm like, I can't, if I, if I leave it, it's going to get stuck on you forever. Um, but so she did what, what she did. I appreciate her trying to help me out. It just didn't, uh, didn't work quite the way we wanted it to. Yeah. Uh, so now you're shitting your pants. Did you trim your chest? Did you trim your chest before she waxed it? She made the, the executive decision. Yes. Yes. I think, yes. That was not your decision. I, did you wanted to just go in raw? Honestly, because I kind of felt like if we trimmed it, it was going to get caught on my skin. Um, so I felt like that was going to hurt worse. But then, like, she watched the video. And that's the other thing. She turns on YouTube on her TV, and she goes, well, I've never done this before, so I need to, I need to like, have a little tutorial. Like, you, you asked! Now? You asked! <laughs> you tell me this now? Yeah. And then uh, she, she, like, watches the video uh, on this lady. This, this lady is like a showing, TED Talk as to why you should gamble responsibly. Showing all the different stuff that she's using. It's like a pre scrub, um, like a, a serum to like exfoliate or whatever, um, th- what kind of wax she uses, and then what she does after to try to help with the sting. And we were like, yeah, we don't have any of that. And uh, there's not really a place that we can get any of that. So we're going to trim and we're just going to go with the wax. I was like, okay. I don't I don't like this decision. I I I don't like okay, so then the moment of truth, she puts on the first portion of the wax and explain because people will see the video, but explain where she applied the first portion of the wax. So we started on the right side of my chest. She she was trying to find the place that had the least amount of hair, um, which I think she she probably did. There wasn't really a place that was best to start. Um, but so she put it on the right side of my chest. And when I showed the video to mom, uh, mom was like, you know, I, I love the fact that she's putting on the wax and then she's putting on the little piece of paper. And all you hear in the background is her laughing. Just <laughs> and she's like, she's trying to rub it on there. And she's trying to put it on there as good as she can. Um, but then I was expecting a countdown. I didn't get a countdown. One, two. Was, no. Not even that. So she, what she said was, are you ready? And I said, no, but I mean, I guess. And then she goes, are you videotaping? I said, yes. And then that's when I thought she was going to go, okay, three, two, one. No, I'm sitting there with my phone up above me so that you can see my, my chest and where she's waxed. And all of a sudden what she says, are you videotaping? And I say, yeah. She just goes, yeah. And I was like, oh, 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 oh man. 
It was it was good terrible. on you for not cursing. Good on you for not going Steve Carell and 40-year-old virgin. But that would have been me. That would have been my first reaction. F bombs. I don't even know. Probably something from the Sopranos. I that would be the worst thing imaginable, especially no countdown. I didn't realize that she went gangster, no countdown on you. knew uh she was going to be able like she got all the things prepared and she didn't make the wax too hot or anything like that and i appreciate that she did everything um so i appreciate her helping out but um yeah and if you watch the video i stop it right after we get done pulling the strip and i'm not gonna lie there were some expletives thrown after that just son of a bitch what the hell did i think oh my god and the preseason yeah. i bet on the preseason i guess uh, that's very <laughs> short after that um oh man. how many strips of wax did we get through i can't remember if it was four or five i think i think it was five but by the end of the fifth the fifth one was a long one um that she did that's the one that i sent you a picture of for proof because you said in the video there wasn't enough hair taken off i was like so you do this so she did, the, she did the long one. I honestly uh, thought you guys put it on the dog and were just like, see? Oh, God. I would have to <laughs> lay through that. Jeez. Uh, so I I made it through the four or five strips. And, uh, God, I would not put Lainey through that. That was awful. I, I honestly, and Savannah said this too, it is a totally different story being on which side, like which side of the strip you're on. If you're the one getting it pulled off of you, you're in, you're in the worst place that you possibly could. But if you are the one pulling it, it's a totally different. It's just like, it's the other side of the coin basically. But um, so I got through the strips and then um, after the fifth one, the long one, it, it got caught halfway. And that was awful. That's the one. Cause uh, you'll see the picture cause we're posting it, but. Um, where that huge red bruise that I had, that's what that one was from. Um, but anyway, I, I didn't do my entire chest. I couldn't, I had to, like, after I got to that last one and I was on the brink of tears, I was like, look, just, I'm done. Okay. I held up my end of the bargain. This is it. And then we went and decided to shave the rest of it off because, I wasn't just going to leave the one patch with the rest of it. Can we get an example of how it's healing? Uh, I mean, it's pretty much healed. Naked mole rat. That's, <laughs> that's what you look like. That's beautiful. By the way, I ha- I'll double check with Nico to make sure that the five strips is penance, penance enough. I think, he w- I think he'll accept it because he was already feeling bad. Like, I should have given Dom the point spread. I should have... I should have made it more difficult on myself. I didn't have to do anything. Didn't even sweat it out. It was a blowout. So I'll, I'll double check with him. You guys will have to listen to the far end of the bench to see what he thinks of that. But yeah, are we betting? One thing we learned, are we gambling on the preseason anymore? I already said I probably am still going to gamble on the preseason. But now that you've had the chest, I know that that's what you said. That was pretty getting your chest waxed. Now that you've waxed your chest, are you going to consider it at all to change your strategy. I'm probably going to be more careful with what I bet on the preseason. I'll put it that way. 
I'm not going to say no, I'm not going to bet on the preseason anymore because me and you both know that's not true. But I'm I'm going to be more careful with what I with what I bet. I still need I'm not I'm not putting my chest hair on the line ever. Like, well, no, I don't want your chest hair on the line. I want your beard on the line. I'm not doing that. We got to we ought to put it just to Twitter and let let the Express Mafia decide. No, because I already know what the answer is going to be. Well, and you got to come up with something good enough for me. I don't really care about the profile picture, to be honest with you. I'll do that since that's what you put as a stipulation, but I don't really care to make you and Savannah because you guys would look good. You guys would be in Bengals colors. It would look good. But we look good even if we weren't in Bengals colors. So, yeah, the, the green, it's a good thing that I mean, the Savannah, I'm not saying anything about Savannah, but if she was wearing a Jets shirt at the Bronco game, you, it, it would have been a discrepancy between the two of you. Yeah, but the green just makes her eyes pop, you know, just come out anyway. She, yeah, the, the pictures that we posted uh, from the Bronco game, she made a thousand times better. I will, I will say that, and I think you can agree with me on that, but. Um, yeah. The Express Mafia seems to like it a lot because we've grown like 150 followers since we posted all that stuff. Yeah, no, we're. I think last I checked, we were at 490, mm-hmm. almost almost 500, which is crazy. I mean, we've 500 mafia, 500 made members of the Express Mafia. How about that? Yeah, that's what we'll call it. Yeah. Uh, it's, Are we gonna? It's crazy. I, it's a good thing we don't have a YouTube channel. Are we gonna make everybody do an Omerta oath and turn this into a full on cult? I feel like that's frowned upon and probably could get both of us in trouble. Um, so I'm going to say no, but. Uh, He's indoctrinating the children into the, his podcast cult via high level calculus. If, if, if they're smart enough to be in a high level calculus, they're also smart enough to think, oh, this, this was outlawed at some point. This is or not. They are not socially smart at all. And they'll just think, oh, this is totally normal. Yeah, you would definitely be – if any of the four of us were going to call mom or dad, and mom will listen to this, so this will be a fun conversation for me later on in the week. But if they were to get a call, mom, dad, I accidentally joined a cult. That'd you would be, be – yeah, you would be the one. 100%. I feel I'm like there's, they have, like, situations in their head for all of us. My situation is probably you got to come pick up your son. He's fighting more than likely that's probably what they would assume would be me roxy i i, I don't know i don't know Ro- roxy could call you to go get her food when she's drunk that's just how how roxy she doesn't works call me we're, we're sitting there at the bar and she's trying to order uber eats on her phone but she's so drunk that i don't want her to take her drunk well she okay i shouldn't say she's so drunk she's drunk enough that i don't want her to take her credit card out because a, it's not going to make it back into her wallet, and B, she's not going to be able to read the numbers anyways to put it into the app. So I, being the sober one, say, you know what? Just give me the phone, put whatever what you want on there. I'll, I'll put my card in, and yeah. But that's mom was like, Uber Eats. I was like, you gotta talk to Drunk Roxy on that one. So we're gonna have to get Roxy liquored up. You're gonna have to talk to her on that one because <laughs> sober Roxy isn't gonna know what you're talking about. And she drunk, Roxy, drunk Roxy will have you buy her a meal, but then she'll explain what's going on. Uh, she's not she's not gonna remember the Wendy's or the Taco Bell or whatever it was that I bought for her last night. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has their everybody has their thing. My thing is that I forget, like I'm not blacked out drunk, but I am going like walk normally walking up the stairs from the basement at the house. 
and I trip on one of the stairs and fall up against them and I smack my ankle, but I don't realize it. It doesn't hurt in the moment. I wake up the next morning, my ankle, I'm like, ah, what the, I didn't do anything. What, what happened? And then about noon the next day I go, Oh, that's what happened. I fell up the stairs. Yeah. That makes more sense now. Um, Ed, I think mom and dad would not be surprised if they got a call from Ed be like, yeah, your son was running a racketeering, uh, casino at the high school we uh confiscated what we could but it seems like he's got this in 12 other offshore accounts and he probably just he's going to get away with that but i feel like that's the level of where where they probably think we're at i would get picked up for fighting roxy would call you for food you would join a cult accidentally they they had me drink this kool-aid i don't think it was kool-aid it didn't have enough sugar in it well, then anyway. that's a good thing. That's a good thing it didn't have enough sugar in it because the sugar kills you because the sugar oh. is cyanide. Yeah, that's what oh. that is. <laughs> you know um. what? I'm not that, I don't have that big of a sweet tooth. That's how the one person survived. That'd be beautiful. Um, and Ed's a Ponzi scheme. I think Ed would be running a Ponzi scheme. That's just me. Yeah, I would I'd probably agree with you on that. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely better than I used to be. I'm a lot more catching up to what's going on. You wouldn't sign the papers, the but you would take the tour of the cult. And then they'd be, be like, like, all right, are you ready to join? You'd be like, nah, I got to go talk to my mom. This is nice. This is really nice in here. I like what you guys have done with it. I like that boulder. Mm. That's a nice boulder. Yeah. It's just, it's weird when you know that you're walking up on a cult or like close to where a cult is. Cause you know, there's a cult 10 miles north of Gunnison, right? Yeah, I know. It's called Camp Gunnison. Uh, there's one day where, me and one of my friends down there decided that we were going to drive up to the gates because there's a turnoff that says Camp Gunnison, five miles. We decided we're going to do the turnoff. We're going to drive up to the gate. And as it's a dirt, it's like a middle of a canyon and mountains. So there's not a whole lot. And then all of a sudden you get to like beautifully manicured lawns, some wooden fence posts. You get up to the door and it says, no, it's private property, which in Gunnison means come on my property. I'm going to blow your head off. And then it's also like registration fees and everything like that. We checked it out. We got to the gates and we did a, a four point UE. Just, right, let's, let's get out of here before anything too weird happens. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get into this. Get a I, call like Jimmy's now a member, the lead member of Camp Gunnison. I don't, I don't know what happened. I, we drove up and all of a sudden I was the leader. I said it, and they respected me for it. Kind of. That's kind of where I was going with it. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, just be careful. If there's any, if there's anybody that I could, I, you know, if you could learn anything from me, just be careful. Don't trust. Don't trust nobody. Only trust blood, and even blood you take with a grain of salt. Um, no, I, I think the only thing that I'm kind of looking forward to for these two weeks is the I do turn 24 this Friday after this podcast airs. So that's, that's something. Um, no. Yeah. I'm becoming an old man. I'm finally I'm hitting the midway point between my twenties and thirties. And I don't know how to feel about it. I graduated college. That's one thing. Have two, three podcasts. That's another. 1400 yeah. followers on Twitter. I'll take it. 1200 followers on Twitter. Actually between the two, it's like 1600. So I'll take that. Yeah, you're forgetting a very, you're forgetting a very big part. 
hidden part. What, is, what about about what? I'll give you a hint. I'm pretty sure she's there right now. Oh, girlfriend. Very yeah. Very great girlfriend. I uh, I was getting there. She uh she brought my presents to me today, so I'm gonna go celebrate with with that. And I'm everybody's taking me to Gunther Tooties on Friday, because that's how I want to celebrate my birthday. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I get chicken. I get those chicken fingers, and a nice Mountain Dew on my 24th birthday, contemplating life and deciding whether or not I'm too old to be trying to make a name for myself on the internet. That's what I'm going to be enjoying and a nice milkshake. And, and I'm going to get the, the little hat and do that. You better. Twist. You better. If they don't make you do the twist, I'm going to be very upset. What are you getting that's, me for my birthday? That's the, that's my question. I'm not telling you. I feel like that means you don't have something. So you got to pick something up next time. I'm going to see you. No, I, I have something that I saw, um, but I was not going to get it until I was able to look at a couple other stores and see if there was something else that I liked a little bit better. But I haven't really been able to find anything else, so I'm going to go and get it probably Wednesday. I think that's when I'm going to go get it. Cutting it close. It'll be there. I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that big. <laughs> It's my birth week, so I'll give you a pass, but I'm not that big of a jerk. You are that. You are that person to do a birth week. Though. Hey, hey, I didn't make the rules. I just choose to follow those rules. Um, Sons of Anarchy, season three. Let's talk about the first three episodes. It's really the first two, because uh, if, it, if we weren't watching it while we were streaming, if we were watching it live, it was one of those two hour long season premieres. So episode one and two aired back to back, and then episode three uh, was a week afterwards, but so far we know that season two ended with Jax's son being taken away from from them by one of their IRA former IRA affiliates. Obviously, not going to be in high standing with the club after stealing the grandson of the vice president or the grandson of the president, son of the vice president. So I feel like those are two things that you can't do. Um, Jax is not taking this well. The one thing that I think we should talk about for sons though is that sometimes shows have a long time that passes chronologically in the universe between seasons. Suns pretty much picks up right where it leaves off. There might be like a three week or a few month period in between what's happening in each season, but it's fairly recent, been like a couple of weeks since uh, Abel was taken from Jax. And we see a montage. I think that's one of the things Kurt Sutter's pretty good at is making montages of showing you pretty much what everybody's up to. And the montage we see Jax pretty much drinking himself to death after um, after having his son taken, uh, we know Gemma is on the run because she was framed for the murder of Zobel's daughter at the end of season two. So she's trying to figure out what they're going to do. Club is pretty much in kind of a crisis mode. It'd be pretty difficult. They're all leaning on their president, vice president. That's a lot of grief that they're trying to go through. Are they really going to be able to find Abel? What do you think? Do you think that they're really going to be able to find him? I know that what they're going to be able to do. What do you think? Well, I also know what they're going to be able to do because I got <laughs> I got a little ways ahead of myself. Um, so then when you were first get, watching, when you were first going uh, through. Yeah, no, when, when I was first watching, I was I didn't I honestly didn't know. I thought maybe it was going to be the end of the Suns only because um it kind of it got to the point where I was like, ah, this is gonna this is the straw that's gonna break their backs. But they, I mean, Jax is in a really bad place, and that's never a good look. 
He's never he hasn't really been perfect in the last couple of seasons that we watched, but this seemed like it was the end, really. Yeah, it it's getting pretty dire. Hopefully you kind of at this point you just gotta hope that everybody's able to pull them together. And you hope that Kurt Sutter's not that much of a jerk that he'll let the son be kidnapped and just not have him find him and have that be a plot point for the character. I don't know how that would have gone over. Um, but no, everybody's pretty much reeling. Uh, we have to, we, we kind of start out with the funeral of Halfsack because he was murdered uh, during Abel's abduction at the end of last season. So they're, they're all kind of paying their respects. They have the patch that he was about to get because right before Halfsack was killed, they did decide that he was going to be a fully patched member. So unfortunate timing there, but they have the, the cut on the coffin. They're walking out afterwards and there's a drive-by shooting at the um, cemetery funeral home where they were having the wake. A couple of people are hit. I think that there was a kid that was hit by some of the stray bullets uh, and a big hit deputy chief Hale gets ran over by these guys as they're escaping and is dead. Deputy Chief Hale, dead in the first episode of season three. Surprising to me, I think everybody was surprised by half sack's death at the end of season two because they were doing so much. I actually figured out that the reason he was written off the show, he asked for his release. He didn't want to be doing that character. He tried to move on to other things. And unfortunately, that actor has passed away from drug-related stuff. But um that him dying and then Deputy Chief Hale dying, it seemed like they were killed right as big storylines were going to start involving them. Yeah, and I, I mean, I obviously I hated Half Sack getting written off the show and dying. I mean, I would almost tell you that his death was less of a surprise, and I wouldn't say that it had less of an impact, but it was just a different impact than W. Chief Hale, uh, his death, part, partially because of how gruesome it was. Like, Hassack got stabbed in the gut. Obviously, that's obviously that's an awful way to go. And, um, you know, you didn't see it coming right away. Um, but for Hale to get run over, especially when he's um, trying to pay his respects to the guy who just got killed, um, and then, you know, having that whole situation happen is just, not nearly at all at all what I expected. So um, that that one was huge. That one was very uh, out of left field for me. After that, we kind of see Jax talk to a few of his mentors. He talks to Bobby. He kind of talks to Clay. Him and Clay are on better terms than what they had been in the past. Um, and they're all pretty much telling him, you, you can either sit here and wallow and everybody would understand you doing that but a man and a father would stand up and do what he can to see if he can find him. And at some point, if you're told, if you've done everything that you can do and you're told that there's no way that you're going to be able to get him back, okay, figure out how to grieve about it then. But if you're just going to grieve while there's still a chance to get him, it's not going to go any differently. You're not going to have a chance to change. So they kind of get Jack's back on the right path. I think OP puts him in the shower and just has him rinse for a while before he gets back and, and, puts his cut on and they start getting to work trying to figure out the first steps to figure out where Abel is. Uh, another big thing in this episode, Gemma is uh, she learns about her dad being uh, her dad is struggling with Alzheimer's and uh, they're close since she's on the lamb. She's close enough to go back and visit her. 
her father. So they do that in this episode. And that's kind of where we leave everything. The sons are, are getting themselves together. Gemma is going to go back to her childhood home. Uh, and like I said, we go directly into season or season three, episode two, Oiled. Um, the, the club has a connection. It's actually uh, Tig's ex-wife's new husband is a uh, private investigator or bail bondsman, one of the two. I think he might do both. He's got a broken arm and he's trying to hunt down a skip on bail. Uh, he enlists the club. He says, I'll do what I can to get information on where your son might be if you handle this uh, bail skip for me because I can't take care of it. My condition go kind of tit for tat that way. So the club becomes bail bondsman for the first part of this episode. They find the bounty hunter and get the get him back. Um, and they're waiting on information from him. We go to Gemma's house, uh, her childhood home with her father. And uh, it, it's interesting. It's a little bit of a break from the intensity of looking for Abel. Gemma, I think at this point, still doesn't know that Abel's been kidnapped. I don't think that they want to tell her when she's, yeah, they don't want to tell her when she's on the run. Um, I don't think it's until the, I don't think it's until the next episode or maybe the episode after that she finds out, but it's, it's even on accident too. I don't think, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not the club that tells her if I'm right, but. No, I don't think it's the club. Um, I think that she accidentally figures it out and that's obviously going to cause a lot of drama uh, moving forward, but she's dealing with her dad kind of reconciling, going through some of her old memories. Her dad has a in-home nurse that'll come into play a little bit later on in the season. Cause Tig, Tig loves his uh, Latino women. That's one thing I will say for Tig. We, we'd had the two uh, Mexican workers at the uh, warehouse in the first episode that he had to go figure, find them because he was banging both of them. And let's just say Tig and the and the in-home nurse are going to cause a lot of problems for everybody involved right now. Um, it's an interesting situation. Gemma is getting a little bit more of a backstory. I think trying to maybe sympathize with her a little bit because everybody was starting to get to the point like, yeah, I know that she's the main woman and like the lead female character. She's a bitch. She doesn't do anything for anybody but herself. And she says she's doing it for her family. But at this point, we're almost ready to be like, okay, Gemma, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I, it's yeah. It's just another way to try to humanize her. I think, and truthfully, I mean, it works. Um, I I feel awful for her knowing that her dad is in as bad a shape as he is. Um, do I feel bad enough to say that I, I don't hate her anymore, or that I don't hate her um, at all? No, I I would tell you that I, I hate her less, knowing that she actually is human and, and has these struggles, um, outside of the club. Um, but you know, it just, it is kind of a nice little change of pace from the hazard, not the hazardous, the chaotic, there we go. Um, chase after Abel. Um, but I mean, it's like, it's long enough and then it gets back to the main part of the story. So it's like, okay, here's your little bit of a, of a break. This is what's going on with Gemma okay, let's get back to what's going on with Abel. And at that point, the club, uh, they decided to send Tig to watch over Gemma since she's going to be on the lam for a while and they want to make sure she has protection. Um, so he leaves the rest of the members. They're still all basically chasing down any lead that they can. Jax is in a manic state. Everybody that they find, he's, he's aggressive. He's pretty much in a cowboy shoot first, ask questions later, which is funny because he told Opie and – 
in the first season, nobody needs to go cowboy. And now we see him doing the exact thing that he was warning OP not to do. Um, so we see that we see them kind of knock down a few more guys. Uh, and then come coming up at that point in the episode, we see Tig. That's why the episode is titled Boiled, because uh, he needs to find the baby oil. There's no lube in Gemma's father's house. He needs to find the baby oil. Uh, as he puts it, he's a big man, Gemma. And sometimes he could require a little assistance when he's in that area. Um, I, it was a good, I think the moment it was funny, it was out there. The moment was needed because at this point you're wondering if a baby has been abducted and is going to be taken from his father forever. And, uh, <laughs> and the woman who's dealing with her severely Alzheimer riddled father and the fact that he might just wander off whenever and wherever it's a way it's this uh, club. If, if you wanted to be in a motorcycle club and you watch this show, I think that you would change your mind so quickly because there is never a time of just peace and quiet. They're never just happy. They're always dealing with something and someone. And I think that is a good portion of what Sutter wanted to do with the show and why he makes it as gruesome and as bleak as he does and why, why it's as realistic as, as it is. But that's the end of season two or season three, episode two that aired back to back with the first season SO and then the following week, we had Caregiver, episode three. This, we see the club, uh, they're trying to work out some sort of relationship. We saw them trying to work out a gun relationship with the Chinese. The Irish didn't really like that. Um, and Henry Lin is starting to be introduced more and more, the leader of the triads in Charming. So they're trying to work out some sort of relationship with them. The, Henry Lin says that they have some high-end clients coming in. If you wouldn't mind lending us some of your porn stars, because I know you have that porn company and uh, we would like to entertain our guests to the best of our ability. Um, very interesting, but it is, uh, I think it's important because we were kind of want, left wondering what was going to happen to Kara Kara at the end of season two with the warehouse being burnt down. And this is kind of the way that they introduce. Yes, it's still going on. We still have um, all of these, all of these connections and all of these things that we're doing. Uh, it just so happened that the warehouse burned down. We're still looking for another place to start shooting again. But that's where we're at so far in this episode. Uh, and the information came back about Abel. It seems like he, he's headed towards Ireland. That's the where they can guess. He went to Canada for a while and is trying to basically hitchhike, for lack of a better phrase, his way back to Ireland and get back to his IRA contact. So that's where we're at so far in this in this episode. Um a lot of stuff going on, but I think a lot of things that are setting up, this is more of a table setting episode more than anything. There's not a ton of real action that happens in this one. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say that's one thing that the show does really well is it's not constantly go, 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 go. There's also a lot of story development that happens. It's not necessarily every other episode. It's not necessarily every two episodes, but it's um, often enough that um, it's, it's well very well put together and i i was honest with you before we even started watching i was like i don't know if i'm really interested it, it seems like it seems kind of like gangland and although i kind of like watching some of the gangland i'm not really into the gangland stuff so um i w i really wasn't into it but then like the story the development of each character like that's what really pulled me into it so i think that this episode does a really great job of kind of developing the story further but also taking a break from the, the chaos that is happening um but i mean 
it it ramps up pretty quick. So yeah, it's in this episode. There is this is where we see the the Guatemalan maid or house nurse, whatever you want to call her. Uh, Gemma decides to kind of give her the freedom. You know, if you want to fool around with Tig while you're supposed to supposed to be watching your father, my father, while I'm here, that's fine. I'll go ahead. I like it. I want to take care of him because I don't really take care of him all that often. Um, so her and Tig are spending pretty much all day together. Gemma's watching over her father, still trying to go through some of the house and have some memories. Um, and we start seeing the Guatemalan housekeeper is kind of suspicious. And then later Gemma catches her on the internet because there's now a $25,000 bail for information on Gemma and the whereabouts of where she is. Uh, not a good thing that Gemma found, found her because we know that Gemma will stop at nothing to protect her and her club. Um, so then the next the next thing we know, Gemma has the Guatemalan in-house nurse tape, duct tape to a wheelchair in the basement and duct tape on his mouth. Uh, but dad has wandered off. So she has to call Gem or call Tara in and let her know all the crazy messed up situation that's going on right now. Tara has to hide the fact that she knows about Abel being gone and uh, figuring out everything that's going on. And we also see Gemma and Tara kind of battle back and forth because Je- Tara still is, and Gemma sees it, Tara's still kind of half in, half out on the whole motorcycle club wife thing. They're, her and Jax are they're barely boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't even know if they've said that themselves. They're not married. They kind of take, when Abel's there, they kind of take care of Abel together, but it's not like there's anything keeping her there. So Gemma kind of calls her out and says, if you want this for real, you'll do something to make sure that this is this is who you are and this is what you're going to stand for. Yeah, but I mean, on the other side of the coin, there's nothing really keeping her there is what, is what you just pointed out. But the fact that she's still stayed and, and dealt with everything that's going on says a lot, at least in my opinion. Um, because if there's nothing true, if truly there's nothing keeping her there, she doesn't have Jax as a boyfriend. It's just a thing that they don't know exactly what's going on. Abel's not her son. Um, she's taking him on as basically, I mean, a step son more or less, but, um, and she's not really into the motorcycle club life. She could just up and leave, but the fact that she stays says something. It's like, she wants to be part of it, but she needs a little bit more guidance. And I think that's what Tara um, is looking for when she's, when she's talking to Gemma. Tara's, put on babysitting duty for the in-house nurse while Gemma goes and looks for her dad and he finds her at the cemetery. Really tough moment. It's one of the worst things about Alzheimer's that they can't remember the loved ones who have died and then not remembering and finding your loved one's gravestone in that situation could be pretty shocking, but they have a nice moment. um, Probably one of the more tender moments that they've had with each other in a while. That's kind of where this, this episode ends off. Uh, the Guatemalan nurse is going to be tied up for a little bit longer and then she won't be tied up and we'll get a famous cameo, but we'll talk about that more uh, the next time. But first three episodes of season three are solid. This season is when they kind of start getting way more intricate, detailed. And uh, later on, they're actually going to be abroad. They're not even going to be in uh, in the United States. So it's starting to get wild. I'm excited to get to it. Season three is one of my favorite seasons of the show, I think. It's one of the best ones. Um, season one was good. Season two was better. But season three is when they really started getting good. So Sons of Anarchy season three, if you want to catch up to us, we'll be going over episodes four through six next, uh, not next Tuesday, but the Tuesday afterward. 
let's wrap up. There's a one news story that I want to talk about. And we didn't really talk about it when you were home. So this will be good because it'll be kind of fresh. Uh, Urban Meyer. Did you hear, did you see what happened with him? Or I, obviously the Jaguars are 0 five and that's not good for him. You didn't see the news story that happened after they played the Bengals last Thursday? No, no, I haven't. All right. So this will be good. Urban Meyer after the Bengal game decides that him and his wife are going to stay in Ohio because they want to see their grandkids. And you know, that's where he's from and everything like that. So they're playing in Cincinnati. He doesn't fly back with the team to Jacksonville. Uh, and then videos and pictures surfaced of him with some blonde woman. That's not his wife out at a bar. His wife's nowhere near anybody. In one of the videos, she's like basically dry humping him while he's sitting on the chair. And in another video, it looks like he's putting his fingers three knuckles deep uh, underneath her short legs. And then there's a picture of her dancing. And like, first off, everybody knows that he is married. He has a family and, and was very, very critical of people who were doing this in the past, of like going out and, and gallivanting for, if you want to, old school listeners, gallivanting. He was out gallivanting around the Ohio nightlife, but he had to then address the team and say, this is totally irresponsible. I apologize for my actions. Uh, there's a lot of things wrong with this, but what do you think the players are? What do you think the player's reaction is going to be? Well, I think you potentially have two reactions. Number one. Wait, does he first before, does he get fired for this? If I was the one making the decision, I don't want him as one of the faces of one of the organizations in my league. So I would say yes. If I was the one making the decision, if I am Roger Goodell, I am the commissioner of the National Football League, and I have any sort of opportunity to get my two cents in, I say, look, he is not giving us good press. He is not doing anything for our league. He's gone. He's done. And I know Roger Goodell is not the one who fires coaches, but if if I have any type of say in it, that's what I'm saying. Um, you know me, I'm, I'm big on uh, if you're in a relationship, then you're in a relationship with that one person. You know, you know that, and so are you, and that's how we've always been taught and all that different stuff. So the fact that he goes out to a bar and is he's irresponsible enough as a what he's at least sixty years old, right? He's old man, yeah, old. He's old enough to know what's right and what's wrong. Um, and and he goes out and he does that, and I'm assuming this lady's at least probably half his age, if not twenty. You know, if not that young, then probably twenty years younger. Um, so. You're the hitting the crux of the issue, not even knowing what the story was. Yes, that is. It's, it's creepy. It is. It is creepy. And it kind of. Part of it also kind of seems like, oh, he's a famous NFL person. Um, possibly she went and um, noticed that he was at the bar and decided to do this on purpose. I'm not saying that that's the story. I'm sticking to the fact that it's Urban Meyer who's in the wrong. 100%. Um, you know, there's always that little tiny like percentage that it could be a different, it could be the other way around. Who knows? But he's come out and he said, this was wrong. Um, I shouldn't have done this. And I totally get that. That's kind of a half-assed apology for what everything that you've done. Um, so I, I would reject that 
and say, look, man, you screwed up. You are supposed to be one of the higher, higher ups in an organization. And you're supposed to be setting a good example for not only your players, but the people who follow your team and the, the young impressionable, impressionable fan base that follow your teams. Um, so to me, he should not have a job anymore. It's not, he didn't get fired outright. The organization said that they're still kind of looking at him internally and he needs to win back their uh, trust. I think the best person that talked about it was Tim Tebow. And it was one person that I wanted to hear talk about it because he's obviously got a different relationship with Urban. And he, he said that he didn't want to say anything negative about Urban as a person, but he did say that it's something we were told all the time growing up, but it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and one moment to destroy it. And that was kind of where he was coming from. Like, yeah, Urban Meyer, great coach, had a ton of success at the collegiate level. I don't think that he was going to ever succeed as an NFL head coach, but he really hasn't done himself any favors in his time as one. And now he's just seen as like the creepy old pervert who doesn't care enough about winning football games. His team lost on Thursday night and he didn't fly back with them. Like, yeah, I know everybody normally gets like a vacation um, on Thursday night games afterwards. You kind of like, okay, you get, we'll see you back here on Monday and we'll get ready for next week or come back Sunday. You get Friday, Saturday off, but you normally have everybody fly back with the team. Everybody who went with the team flies back with the team. There's no signing out. Like I got my permissions signed. I'm going to stay here for a couple more weeks. Sorry. I'm taking some time for myself. I want to see my family. That's not really how this works. You're in the NFL. You play 17 games. Now I will say if he truthfully did want to go and see his grandkids or his kids or whatever, totally understand it. You're an NFL coach for an entire like you basically don't get a ton of off time especially in the season so i get it you're out there you're already there you want to take an extra day and hang out with your grandkids and see them because you don't get to see them a lot great the fact that he it, from what i can gather he drove to his uh kid's house with his wife left his wife there went out to the bar got drunk and decided to to do what he did that makes it even worse for me because it's like you're lying to the people who are giving you the job in the first place when you don't deserve to have an NFL job. So to me, it seems like you should just cut your losses and resign um, and, and go f and, and like just retire. I mean, you don't have truthfully, Urban Meyer, I've never liked Urban Meyer, but I, I had respected him up until this point because he has been a very, very good college coach. He has been. He's had a lot of success all the way back when he had Tim Tebow at Florida. And then more recently when he was at Ohio State, they went and they took down Alabama in the semifinal. All that. Great. Great job. Congratulations. You decided you wanted to stop coaching. But then this NFL job comes up. Well, yeah, it could be cool, but you don't have anything to prove. Why don't you give somebody else who has earned that a, an opportunity to go and coach a Jacksonville team that truthfully should have a, a better record than 0-5, at least one win. But he, it's, like, it's kind of like he's being selfish, and it's like he's, he's 60 years old and he wants to act like he's back in college, but he's not. It's just creepy at this point.
I think that he's going to be fired before the season's over unless they go on some weird streak, but they've now Jaguars have lost 20 games in a row going back to week two of last, of last season. So they're in a rough spot. Uh, anything, any other news that you saw or anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap things up and, and take everybody home? Uh, I mean, so there's, uh, you're going to make, you're going to probably make fun of me for this. I am obviously a math major. So there's some times where I get some stuff that pops up on my, uh, computer, um, that has to do with math. And I actually, I saw this current event and it, it intrigued me only because it's a problem that's people have been working on for years, like hundreds of years. Um, and it says mathematicians solve an old geometry problem of equiangular lines. So starting off equiangular means that the lines intersect at a certain point that create the same angle between the lines. Does that make sense? Okay. So basically the long and the short of it is working in a 2D, uh, a two dimensional, like on a paper is completely different than a three dimensional thing. And so they were trying to get a way to prove that the thing, the equal angular thing was not only true in a two dimensional on a piece of paper, but also in a three dimensional, um, like in space, uh, I'm trying to think universe. Um, and they had been working on it for years and years and years. And apparently, um, an assistant professor of mathematics named Yufei Zhao uh, or Chow, I'm not sure how to say it. Um, at, uh, it, he was working with a team of MIT mathematicians. Of course, it had to be MIT. Um, and they ended up being able to find some sort of example where they proved it right. So I thought, I think that's pretty cool. Um, I hope some people who are listening to it think it's pretty cool. Um, but like I said, you're probably going to make fun of me for it because, you know, it's a big, big, big nerd guy, big math guy. Go big nerds. Math. Nerds big for the win. Uh, but yeah, no, other than that, I mean, it, it, it'll change. Uh, like it's being sent to NASA. It might change space travel. It might change um, the way that we uh, set up the engines in our rockets um, just that way. Like it, it might take up less fuel and, and less power is kind of what they're trying to look into it. But um, the other thing is it might make a more, um, I guess, correct Mars rover so that we can look at different planets and possibly even send it to different to other planets other than Mars. So we'll see. It, it, it's, it sounds stupid and it, it's kind of far out there, but it, it's a big deal. Yeah, I just don't understand it enough to have that. I appreciate it because I don't understand it. If I appreciate it a little bit more, I would understand it and love it. But I'll take it. I think that was cool. Um, anyways, where can people follow us and, and join the Express Mafia? Join the other 490 Express Mafia made members? So you can become a made member of the Express Mafia by following us on Twitter, at Dago Express, and on Instagram, also at Dago Express um and we also didn't say this but use our swift lifestyles code um if you go on swift lifestyles and you use our code express mafia capital e capital m at checkout oh you'll get 15 percent off your order which i believe uh will at least take care of the shipping and uh handling if not maybe a little bit more um but that's all the nootropic stuff so it helps with focusing um especially if you're a college student or you know, if you're somebody who has trouble focusing, if you're trying to um, discover that math problem, you probably could use some Swift lifestyles. 
I bet you, I bet you if they would have used some Swift lifestyles, they probably would have, uh, they were all probably on something called Adderall. Uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's a different name for it, but we'll say Swift lifestyles anyway. Uh, Swift lifestyles, capital E, capital M express mafia. Um, and, uh, you, I said, where you can follow the podcast, look for the picture. It's a yellow picture with red lettering. You can't miss it. Um, and we come out Tuesdays, every other Tuesday at 11 a.m. on most of your podcast streaming platforms. I still haven't heard about Apple Podcasts, by the way. I'll ch- I'll double check again this week because uh, my other ones went up without giving me an email. So, uh, by the way, be sure to check out my other shows, the Top of the Mountain podcast every Friday, both on D2Football.com and on all other podcasting platforms. That's my RMAC weekly podcast. I look back at the game of the week from the previous week and preview the big game of the weekend coming up. Uh, also the far end of the bench with Nico. Dom's been a guest on there. He'll probably come back for our college pick, pick him show, uh, but be sure to follow us at FEOTB pod and then subscribe to the YouTube channel, the far end of the bench, because we got some interesting, especially if you're into rankings, we're going to be releasing weekly ranking videos on our YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe there. If you won't be able to hear that, you'll only be able to watch it on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to that channel. Other than that, uh, don't forget we're taking fan base applications. Oh, well, Don't yeah. Forget about that. Fan base applications. You guys will have to listen to the far end of the bench at Dom Pilato at Dago Express. Give us the reasons why Dom should join your fan base because uh, we want to get him out of being a Jets fan. It's just a painful existence. Um, but for that, this has been the third most entertaining pair of Italian brothers, Nick and Jimmy Pilato and the Dago Express. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Thick boy anthem.